Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. But I've got the privilege of sharing with you today on uh, a message in this Living Beyond Yourself series. And to start, I just want to share a story. We've had a couple of technical issues, so I'm not sure how bright and white it will be. I might get sunburnt today, who knows? But, uh, but uh, we're just going to do our best with our tech. We had a little issue with uh, some, some things. But I want to start with a story. There was a young lady who was catching a flight. She, was, uh, she had to catch a connecting flight to home. She arrived at the airport. She was quite early for this flight that she needed to take. And so she bought a book and bought her favourite packet of biscuits. And then she uh, went and went to the boarding lounge where her flight would later be called. An elderly gentleman, well-dressed, sat down near her and uh, he had a magazine and he started reading the magazine. She opened her packet of biscuits and took one and ate it. And after a little while, she heard a scrunching noise that sounded like the scrunching noise of a packet of biscuits. And she looked over and the man sitting near her grabbed one of the biscuits and he took a biscuit. She glared at him. She was, he, she was not impressed with this man taking one of her biscuits. And then she took another biscuit and ate it. She read her book and after a little while she heard again the scrunching noise of a packet of biscuits. She looked over and there that man, this elderly man dressed well, was also taking another biscuit. Her anger levels were starting to grow. She glared at him again, didn't say anything, glared at him and uh, he, while he ate this biscuit. Well, then uh, she decided, oh, I'm going to have one of my own biscuits. I'll have a biscuit. So she had a biscuit. And this went on and on and on until there was just one biscuit left. The elderly man grabbed that biscuit, snapped it in half, gave it to her, smiled, and then he left. She was furious. How could he do such a thing? She didn't say anything to him. And then after a little while, her flight was called and she picked up her luggage and uh, picked up some of her bag, got her handbag to get the boarding pass out. This was before the digital boarding passes and opened it up and opened her handbag. And there in her handbag was her packet of biscuits. Not only had this man not been eating her biscuits, she had been eating his biscuits. Knowing who owns the biscuits is really, really important. <laughs> We're in a series called Living Beyond Yourselves. And one of the first principles of life is this. God owns the biscuits. God owns everything. And last week as we began this series, I shared four reasons why Jesus followers give at uh, Taramara. And I want to share a couple of those with you today. The first reason why is, uh, and again, I'm not sure whether it's the word. Yeah, that's going to work. That'll work. Yeah, it's just not in the colours. The colours, something went wrong there. But anyway, we give because God owns everything and he provides everything. And we're his stewards. That's one of the reasons we give. Psalm 24 says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The people and the world and all who live in it. In other words, God owns and provides everything for life. Did you know that the scriptures, the Bible actually says that even our capacity to earn money is a gift from God. 
even our capacity. God is the one who gives us the strength uh, to earn our income. And today I want to assume something good about you. And here's the thing I assume. I assume that you want to, that you, that you want to, that you want to be a good steward. I assume that you want to be a good steward of the resources that God has entrusted to you, that you want to be a good steward. And you want to know how to be a good steward. You know, we, as a church, we have a vision, we have a mission, and we have values. And our mission as a church is this, being followers of Jesus who make followers of Jesus. That's our mission statement. The mission is the why behind the vision and our values. Our mission is being followers of Jesus who make followers of Jesus. And so that's why we preach about Jesus. That's why we talk about Jesus, who he is, what he's done, what he says, how he encourages us to live and his invitation to follow him. And what does it mean to be a follower of him? Did you know that out of the many stories that Jesus told, two out of every three of the stories that he told mention money? Two out of every three. In the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, one in every ten verses mentions money. It's fascinating. I don't know why it's one in ten. There could be a reason why it's one in ten. We'll look at that a little bit later, but one in ten. So um, Jesus speaks a lot about money and um, I find Jesus was, Jesus was crystal clear when he spoke about money. He said things like this, you can't serve God and money. One of the reasons Jesus said that is he knew that money would be something that would compete in our life for who we are, who, who, we, who we give our allegiance to, who is really the boss or the Lord of our life. Is it, it, Jesus basically says it, it's going to be either money or it's going to be God. That's basically what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is saying you can't serve both. Jesus said also things like this, where you put your treasure... That's where your heart will be also. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you buy something new, what happens? A bit of your heart goes into it, doesn't it? Where you put your treasure, your heart follows. And that's why Jesus encourages us to put our treasure in heaven because that's where our heart is heading. Heaven. So why is it that Jesus talks so much about money? There was a, a man by the name of Richard Halverson. He was a chaplain to the US Senate in the year 1981 to 1995, 15 years as the chaplain to the US Senate. And uh, he said this, Jesus Christ said more about money than about any other single thing because when it comes to a person's real nature, their character, money is of first importance. Money is an exact index to a person's true character. All through scripture, there is an intimate correlation between the development of a person's character and how they handle money. That's so true. You know, as a, as a young fella, I wanted to be rich. You know, I, and when I've taught religious instruction in schools and asked year seven and eight students, what do you want to be when you grow up? Rich, wealthy often came up. And that's just one of those things. But I wanted to be rich. And one of the things that God did in my life was he helped me and, and through my relationship with Wendy, there's been a growing um, uh, generosity in my own life. Uh, there's, there's so much generosity in Wendy and I've learned a lot from her about generosity. And um, 
the thing that I had to do, because in my heart, there was this, in, in my heart, like there's my physical heart, but my spiritual heart, there's this thing called the money monster. And the money monster wants to be fed. And the money monster just, that what, what that means is this, the money monster wants to be the boss. And one of the things that I've learned is that through generous giving, I dethrone the money monster. I dethrone materialism from my own heart by being generous. And that's why we give generously. We give generously to dethrone materialism from our heart. And generosity is the only antidote, the only antidote to the materialism money monster of our culture. Generosity, it's the only antidote being generous with what God has already trusted us. Remember, who owns the biscuits? God owns everything. Everything that we have, all that we are, we are stewards. We are managers and stewards of what God has entrusted to our care. But I can hear some of you saying, you know what, hang on Barry, I've earned what I've got. I've worked hard for what I've got. Yes, you have. But if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't even be able to take your next breath. God is the one who gives us life and everything else for our enjoyment so that we might be a blessing to others. So that's some of the reasons why we give. Um, and so there are two ways to live our life. One of the ways to live is to be open-handed. The other is to be tight-fisted. And every one of us here today, our life is going to be either more like a river or a reservoir. What do reservoirs do? Reservoirs hold water. They, 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 they get water in, but they hold water, they store water, but without that reservoir letting water out or new fresh water in, guess what happens to that reservoir? It gets stinky. It gets stagnant. But rivers, on the other hand, rivers give life downstream. Rivers provide for plants and animals and life downstream. And our lives will either be more like a river or a reservoir. A river or a reservoir. And I want to invite you today to be more like a river. Rivers, not only do they give life, but there's also times in the river's life where there's different storage compartments as well. And that's also helpful for us to have. The question I want to look at today is how much do Jesus' followers give? And we're just going to have a quick look through the Bible. We're just going to have a very quick journey through giving in the Bible. And we're just going to scratch the surface today. Just scratch the surface. First one is this. In the Old Testament, there's two parts of the Bible. The Old Testament, which is God's relationship with people before Jesus. And the New Testament, God's relationship with people as Jesus came. And uh, there's, you know, in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, there's a story about a guy called Abram. And Abram gave God a tenth of everything that he owned. It's the first time a tithe is mentioned. A tithe is one-tenth of income or what we own. And in the Old Testament, offerings were given as well. They were offerings above the tithe. And uh, there's a guy who's done a study throughout of the whole Old Testament and studied how much did God's people in the Old Testament give to God? How much? And the percentage that they gave was 22% of their income. They would give a tithe of their income. Every third year, they would give another tithe above that. And every, every, every time every, later on, they would give another tithe of what was left. So the average person of God in the Old Testament would give God 22% of their income. Now, that was before taxes. 
but that's what they did. Then we come to, you know, we, then we come to the last book of the Old Testament, a book called Malachi. I like this guy because he sounds like Cromacki. His name's Malachi. I mean, Malachi, Malachi, Malachi. He's the Italian prophet, they reckon. But uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 to 12 says this. This is God speaking. This is really interesting. He says this. God says this. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? How are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are robbing me. Then God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields, will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations of the land will call you blessed. Uh, all the nations will call you blessed, for, the, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord says the Lord Almighty. Now, this is the only time in the whole Bible where God invites people to put him to the test. The only time. The only circumstance throughout the whole Bible where God in actually invites us to put him to the test is in this area of trusting him with a tenth of what he's given us to give it back to him and to trust him that we can live on the 90%. And uh, it's, it's a, God invites people to test him. And, and there's some promises in this passage. There's a promise, there's three promises here. And the promises are that God will provide abundantly for us. There's the promise that God will protect our income and protect our source of income. That's what it means by the vines and the crops not being destroyed. And then there's also the provision that God, that our lives will be a blessing to others. Three beautiful promises with tithing. He'll provide our needs, he'll protect our income, and we will be a blessing to others. Now, that's the Old Testament, but hang on, what about Jesus? What did Jesus say about this? The Old Testament uh, principle was giving to God tithes and offerings, and then Jesus comes along. And uh, Jesus had a lot to say about money, uh, as we know. And then Jesus said this in Matthew 23, verse 23. We're going to look at a bunch of scriptures that Jesus said. He said this, Woe to you, you teachers of the law and Pharisees. Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of the day. He says, you hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is an actor. Someone who is acting out. And he says this, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter while not neglecting, without neglecting the former. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that justice is important, that mercy is important, that faithfulness is important, but he's also saying the tithe is also what it means to be a follower of God as well. You know what tithing is? Some of you have got children and had children. And, but, you, you know, here's the thing. Tithing is like the toddler taking their first steps. 
That's what tithing is. Tithing, tithing, tithing is the toddler's first steps. They're not the most great steps. They're not the last steps. But they're the beginning steps of giving. Um, if you aren't a Jesus follower watching online today or in the room today, if you're not yet a Jesus follower, you go, here, here we go. The church is talking about money. Here's the reason why we talk about money. It's about who owns the biscuits. It's about who owns the biscuits, really. And, and the, the thing with tithing, if, if, if you aren't a Jesus follower yet, I, I want to invite you to know that Jesus loved you so much but he gave his best. He gave his life for you. And if you are a Jesus follower, then I want to invite you to consider that Jesus has given you so much and part of what it means to be a follower is to give back to him. If you are a Jesus follower, I want you to understand this. Jesus never suggested giving any less than the tithe. The principle that Jesus talked about was generosity, being generous with what we have. Let's take a look at what he said. In Acts 20, 35, Jesus said this, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's interesting that Jesus had conversations with rich people and poor people, and he talked about rich people and poor people. And we're going to have a quick look at some of those stories. There was a rich man who came to Jesus. He wanted to get eternal life, and he asked Jesus, how do I have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know, the commandments, you know, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. And, Jesus, and this rich man said to Jesus, all these I've kept since I was a boy. And Jesus loved this guy and looked at him and Jesus said this to him. Jesus heard this man's response. This man was a good living, well-to-do rich man. And then Jesus said this to him. When Jesus heard what he said, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have. And give it to the poor. Now, that's a big thing to call. And you will have treasures in heaven and then come follow me. And when he heard this, when the rich man heard this, he became very sad because he was extremely wealthy. Jesus knows your heart and my heart. He knew the heart of this man. He looked into his heart and he saw that this man, this man's God was money. And from what we know and what we understand this man didn't become a follower of Jesus. Why? Because money was his God. And when Jesus says, sell it all and give it away and give it to the poor, Jesus is inviting him to do a commandment that he hasn't followed yet. To love God with all we've got and to love your neighbour as yourself. And this man wasn't prepared to do it. There's another story about another rich man. His name was Zacchaeus. It's in the next chapter, Luke 18, the next chapter, Luke 90. Zacchaeus was a thief. He, he stole from others in order to pocket it for himself. He was a short guy and Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house and Jesus treated Zacchaeus like he treated him with grace and kindness. And what happened with, with Zacchaeus is his heart changed and then he stood up and he declared this to people. He said this, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I am give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of everything, which he had, he had, I will pay them back four times what I've taken. And then Jesus said this, Life has come to this house. 
rescue, salvation. Good news has come for your household, Zacchaeus, because of the change of heart that you've had towards God and towards your possessions. A few pages later, Jesus is at the temple. And while Jesus is at the temple, something amazing happens. Jesus is watching people giving their offering at the temple. Imagine if Jesus was here. Oh, hang on, Jesus is here today. Imagine if Jesus is here today and he's watching people, what they give into the temple, into the, into the house of God. Let's have a look at this. This is amazing. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich people putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. And Jesus, I think this is amazing because Jesus is basically saying, hey guys, come on over here, have a look. Check this woman out. Have a look at the giving that she's giving. It's sacrificial. She's giving everything she had to live on. And Jesus commends her and uses her as an example of what generosity means. A lot of people around that day probably thought, she didn't give much. Two little copper coins. That's not going to make a difference to the church budget. But Jesus says she gave all that she had. She gave all that she had to live on. Is Jesus asking that of us? Yes, he is. Because Jesus gave everything that he had for us. He gave it all. And here's the thing about generosity. We need to understand that God is the one who's given it to us and we're just managers. Everything we have is a gift from God and we are managers of the resources that he's entrusted to us. I don't know anyone who has taken any money with them when they died. No one takes their money with them. But Jesus said you can send it on ahead. That's what he means by treasure in heaven. Through our generosity, we store up treasures in heaven. So what do we give? How much? Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I know we're looking at a few passages of the Bible, but this will help us, I think, as we round this off. Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians 16. He said this, Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. As we look at that passage, there's a couple of things I just want to bring out. Firstly, giving is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. The reason he said on the first day of the week is in those days they didn't have FPOS machines and internet banking. They would bring their income. The first day of the week was the day of worship and giving was a part of their worship uh, activity and some people will give cash and some people today will give through internet and some people today will give through tithely and many people give that way in our church second thing i want to share is it's important that you plan your giving plan your giving in advance here's the thing generous people don't give sporadically they have a plan 
They have a plan to honour God. And give regularly. How often do you give? Well, not just every now and then or when you think about it or when something happens in the service and you feel moved to give. No, that's not what it's about. We give in a planned way. Uh, It could be the first day of the week for Wendy and I, for all of our married life and for Wendy as a single person and me as a single person. We give, we would give, you get the pay, you get your pay, whether it's weekly or fortnightly, and then out of that pay, take off the top 10%, give it to God. And here's the thing I've learned through car loans and mortgage and doing degrees and masters and study and paying through the nose for all of those things. Over the years of my life, here's what I've found. God has provided my needs. I haven't gone without. He's supplied... I'm alive. I haven't starved to death. I've been able to meet the bills. There's been times when I had a dollar in the bank account and that's all I had. That's all I had. One dollar in the late 90s. I remember it. And it was a stretch to give the tenth. But God's been faithful. He's been good. And he provides and he cares. And some of you are thinking, hang on a minute, Barry, you're not living in 2023, interest rates, house prices. You know, (laughs) people were saying the same thing back in the 90s. Back in the 80s, 18% interest rates. God is faithful. He's good. So here's what I want to invite you to do. What do Jesus' followers give? Start giving a tithe. Start with that. Remember the story of the biscuits? It all belongs to God anyway. Don't rob God by refusing to tithe. Tithing is the training wheels. You know when a kid starts to learn to ride a bike? The training wheels are there. Tithing is the training wheels of giving. It's the training wheels. And from there, you can take the training wheels off and go beyond. Question, raise your hand today if you uh, gave the top 10% of what you earned to God. Raise your hand today if, if you did that, you would die. I don't see any hands raised, which is what a pastor often doesn't want to see in church. You see... You can survive. We can survive. And so, for those of you who aren't yet in this practice of tithing, I want to invite you for a challenge. And here's the challenge. Try for 90 days. That's three months. Between here and Christmas, give God a tenth of all you earn. If you're not up to giving a tithe, give God a tenth of all you earn for the next 90 days. Put him to the test. Put him to the test. Because God actually invites us to put him to the test. And see what God will do. I'm inviting you to put your trust in God as God, not as your money as God. I'm inviting you to trust God as God. Put him to the test. And watch what he does. Trust him for 90 days to give a tithe. And see what he does. I invite you to take up that chest. And here's another one. As God increases your income, grow your faith by increasing the percentage 
There are some Jesus followers who give 15%, others give 20%. I've heard of some who give 50%. They maybe got a business. I've heard of some who give 90%. And I even know some people who somehow God has provided for them and they give 100% because they've got enough to live on. So I invite you to do that. Here's the principle I've learned. You can't outgive God. You can't. You can't outgive God. You know, in a moment we're going to share in communion. And communion is a celebration every week of the generosity of God, of the goodness of God, of God who loved us so much that he gave his all. Before we share in communion, I want to tell you a story. There's a guy by the name of Charles Studd. Charles Studd was an English cricketer, Jordan. He was an English cricketer and uh, he was, uh, at 22 years old, he played in 1882 for the English cricket team against Australia and uh, he was a fine batsman and a fine bowler and uh, he, was a, he was an heir to great wealth and he played in the first Ashes and Charles Studd had his life all mapped out for him as, a, well, he, he was going to be a, a fantastic cricketer but he knew that God had something different for him. And he was an heir to great wealth. And so when he inherited everything, he gave everything he inherited towards missions. And then he became a, he became a follower of Jesus. He uh, became a missionary. He served in China, in India, and in Africa. And Charles Studd is famous for a couple of great sayings that are true. One of them is this. Only one life to live... It will soon be past. Only what's done for Jesus will truly last. Love that quote. But he's also famous for this. This was the motto of his life, and I'll share this on the screen. He said, if Jesus Christ is God and he died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to give to him. And today we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And because of the sacrifice and generosity of Jesus, we are blessed. We have forgiveness and hope and all the things that Kristen prayed about before, love and peace. We have those things. In this time, let's be grateful. Let's be grateful for Jesus and let God search your heart to see if you can become more like Jesus and become a person of generosity. I'm aware that today may have sparked questions, but the most important thing is that you be a follower of Jesus. Follower of Jesus. Remember as we eat. This is a biscuit. This is a biscuit. And Jesus gave his all for us. Let's remember him. And let's remember that our lives, we owe our lives to him. Let's be grateful. Let's remember Jesus in communion. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.